Welcome to TW Now, where we examine today's news and issues in light of the Bible. I'm Scott Winnell. Financial debt is something most of us fear and far too many of us feel mounting pressure from. For example, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, U.S. credit card debt for 2018 was over 800 billion U.S. dollars. Additionally, about 15% of U.S. families in 2016 reported spending more than they earned every month. In 2018, the average U.S. household debt was over $50,000, excluding home mortgages, according to the New York Fed as well. And in the U.K. for 2018, the average household owned, owed over 15,000 pounds, that's roughly $20,000. And again, excluding home mortgage debt, that set a new record in the U.K. With so many societal factors, in, including debt, is it any wonder the U.S. suicide rates are now at their highest level since World War II? You can see here that the recent headline from CNN points out U.S. suicide rates are up 33 percent since 1999. And beyond increasing suicide risk, research also shows that finances play a key role in the likelihood that marriages will either last or end in divorce. Do you want to learn more about how to become financially independent? What are some of the major keys to financial stability and financial freedom? Today's returning guests will share what they have learned about this topic and also delve into the biblical principles that back finances as they discuss keys to financial freedom. So I'd like to welcome back again Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Mr. Wakefield is a minister in Tomorrow's World writer. He holds an MBA, Master's of Business Administration degree in finance from Columbia University. He's also worked in the field of finance for more than 40 years. And he's written related articles in the Tomorrow's World magazine that include greed and the debt bomb. So welcome back, Mr. Wakefield. Good to be here. Glad you're on the program today. I know you'll have uh, some helpful things to share with us today. Mr. Jerry Ruddleston, welcome back to you. It's been a Thank little you. while, but we're glad to have you back on the program. Mr. Ruddleston holds an MBA degree as well. His is from DeVry University and he's worked in the field of finance and accounting for over 30 years. He's also taught finance and accounting courses at the university level, and he's the comptroller for the Living Church of God. So welcome back. Good to be here. <clears throat> and for the audience, if you do have questions as we carry out our discussion today, questions related to the topic, please feel free to message us and we'll do our best to address your questions. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to like and to share today's program. Well, gentlemen, let's go ahead and launch into the question for today. And really, we have a question for today. And then I want to let you talk and give us some advice and lessons you've learned and lessons you've learned from the Bible as well. But the topic, the question is, what do you see as the causes for financial problems today? Personal financial problems, pretty much. And what are some of the solutions? Again, feel free to bring the Bible in as it applies as well. Well, there's a, a big long list, of course. Um, you know, we talk about covetousness. The Bible says, thou shalt not covet. And when you do that, you get into some trouble. But I think very often just we live in a marketing society. We live in a society where you are constantly bombarded with marketing messages, making you want things you didn't even know you want. And then they make you think you need or must have the things that you then wanted. So uh, having some resistance to this can really be uh, very helpful. But I think very frequently people are pushed 
into wanting and buying and needing things that maybe they shouldn't have. And then they compare themselves with one another. Mm. Wealth and ownership and thing that's is relative, um, very much so. So people are pushed into a consumer society where a lot of times they're consuming more than they should or that they have the uh, resources to pay for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to add to what Mr. Wakefield was saying, we'd actually been talking before a little bit and just want to remind people that we're not against business with our presentation today. We understand, you know, business is in the Bible. It's a good thing to want to be successful for your family and, and otherwise, but we're just talking about starting from a big picture that the current financial system is based upon covetousness. There's no getting around it. Because the idea is for you to have it now, for you not to ever have to wait for it. Mm -hmm. The idea is that you always need something new. So that's being pushed on us constantly, constantly, constantly. You're getting more and more clever now with the internet. It's pushed on you all the time. Have you ever noticed if you were actually looking for something on the internet, for the next several days, you see it coming up on your screen, you know, on the sides over here, buy the buy, buy, buy. That's, that's what they're wanting you to do. And the point is, is that they're saying, you don't have to wait for it because society's come up with this clever way of dealing with this. Yeah, it's been around for a long time, the ability to, to borrow for, to do business, transact business. But they brought it down now to the micro level for the individual, where they say, pull off that piece of plastic, you can have it now. In fact, there's several clever ways. It's not just plastic. There's several ways that they do this because you don't have to wait for it anymore. Just buy it now. Buy it with future income. With future that's, income. That's, that's what they're trying to get That's 100% correct. Well, boy, that's, that's a great idea. You know, you can boost your sales now with money that somebody's going to be getting in future years. Uh, so, they, so they push that. Third uh, John verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, God wants us to prosper. He wants us to do well, but in order to do that, we simply have to be wise with how we handle our money. I like to think of it as you see the, a dog on a leash. As long as he's walking fairly close to his master, that leash is loose and everything, he's as comfortable. <laughs> it's when he's, the last two inches in that leash is what chokes him. And when people live up to the maximum of what their income is, it's begins to choke them, particularly if it involves credit card debt. So we'll talk about some of those things today. Okay. Yes, I'd also like to add too that what I talk to my students about and those that we talk with personal finance is that we're taking a step back and giving you information so that you are in control. Because I say m you either control money and debt or it controls you. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my principles. And we talk about covetousness, which we know is found in the commandments, Exodus 20:17. <coughs> Tells us the base of the commandments, thou shalt not covet, right? Because coveting leads to all the, all the rest. So can, define covetousness. Uh, we, we use this term, it's a biblical term, but can we operationalize that in sort of modern day vernacular just a little bit, either of you? Well, uh, covetousness is a, a perhaps a deset, an excessive or lustful desire for what someone else has. Okay. Um, the Bible says, uh, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's wife, uh, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox or his donkey, anything that is your neighbor's. Well, that can be something on a, on a parking lot or that wonderful car or something that's being sold in the store. Oh, mm -hmm. I want that. I want that. So mm -hmm. people try to stimulate this 
uh, idea of wanting something, wanting things, and uh, we have to have a balanced view of it. It's okay to want things, it's okay to need things, mm -hmm. but uh, it's pushing it too far and being dragged along by those desires that gets people into trouble. There's mm -hmm. another word that I use for my students is contentment. So learning to live with what you have and be happy with it. Mm -hmm. You know, frankly, we could just kind of make a joke and say, well, the end of the discussion today is spend less than you make. There we go. We can all go home. Yeah, <laughs> We're all done. But it's, you know, there's, there's a whole lot more to it. But spending is spending's fun. Oh, sure. I mean, you go out and you look for this item that you like. Part of my background, as you know, is in the health field. And when we, when we look at the physiology of spending, it's very interesting because you buy something and there's an excitement that goes with it and your brain dumps some chemicals in that makes you ha actually literally have a little bit of a high. That's why shopping can become an addiction. And so saying no to something can take that desire away. Sure, and another big principle, which we've, we kind of have some keys here that we've come up with, and sort of getting into them a little bit, which is want versus a need, because that's one of the first steps in this, is learning what a want is and learning what a need is. And one of my examples that I go with my students is an automobile. Okay, so let's assume that you are at a point in your life where you actually need an automobile, because you need for transportation, for your family, you don't, you don't live in a, sub, in a metro area where you can just get fast transportation, you have to have an automobile. So we're going to buy an automobile. So, but what kind of automobile do you buy? Do you buy a slightly used car or do you buy a brand new car? Do you buy a Honda or do you buy a Porsche or a Mercedes? So you, what, you, what you want and what you need sometimes are two different things. And you, that's, that's a bigger thing, but you just take it all the way down the line. What is a want versus a need? That's the first step in clicking in your mind taking a step back from the system that's been set up for us. You're just taking a step back from the system, saying, well, first of all, let's get down to the basics. I know what it's based upon. I don't want to be part of that. I know what it leads to. So I want to learn what is a want versus a need. Step number one. So should we ask ourselves the question with all of our purchases? Is that too all stringent? Of the all of our purchases, okay. until we get used to it. So critical thinking about what we want and what we need. We have to look at ourselves critically about that. Proverbs 27:20 uh, 20 says, the eyes of man are never satisfied. They won't want to go out and look and see and find. And as you say, get that little pop, that little dopamine uh, punch that you get when you buy something and you feel better and um, the advertisers promise you, boy, are you gonna feel better when you buy this. And look at how happy these people are. They're smiling and happy because they bought our product. You know, you can be smiling and happy too. Uh, uh, it's a psychological thing that we're pushed into. Hmm. Yes. So tell us some more about wants and needs. Are there, are there any biblical principles that you can think of that underlie these concepts and give us some direction or at least give us some ideas of what God thinks about wanting and needing? Well, just mention the, the eyes of man are never satisfied. You always want things. You, and it simply takes some self-control, uh, some self-restraint, um, and, and deferring um, um, satisfaction uh, on many things. You have to be able to do that. Self-control yes, is one of the fruits of God's Spirit. And bringing it down, you know, we talked about covetousness as a marketing system, but it's getting more personal now when you get down to want versus need, because sometimes the want might be coveting. 
without you actually thinking that you are coveting. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's another principle for that. It's just sort of getting it more, hey, you know, let's look in the mirror and truly see what's there. Mm -hmm. Let's go over to, to key number uh, two here. I think that's, we're getting into the, into the big stuff here, sure. the, the important things, and that's proper budgeting. Um, uh, you know, a, a budget is something where you look at what all of your expenses are, all of the things you're going to have to spend money for, and what your income is to cover it. And uh, Mr. Ellison, maybe in a minute you can go over some of the techniques of budgeting and, and how to do that if people aren't doing it. Many people just live from paycheck to paycheck, and they just get by that way, but the trouble is their regular expenses may take up the entire budget. What happens? when there's an unusual expense. They don't have anything in there in the budget for contingencies. And I don't know about you, there's always something happening mm -hmm. in my household that was not planned. So what happens when you have these unexpected expenses and your planned expenses take up everything you're making? Mm -hmm. Out comes the plastic and it goes on the credit card. People use their uh, plastic, their credit cards, for their contingency reserve, for their contingency in the budget. That's correct. And what happens is that slowly it builds up. The balances mm -hmm. build up on the credit card because you're putting stuff on there faster than you can afford to pay it down. Mm -hmm. The credit card companies love it. They absolutely <laughs> love it because they're getting, what, 18% or something like that. They're making a fortune on this. And of course, we have things like Christmas and all of these other things where people want to have a big Christmas and, oh, they, they buy things that they shouldn't buy at that point. Uh, you just have to be careful about how you budget so that your expenses and your income match and you have that extra bit in there. Yes. You mentioned something about Sure. That. So we'll, let's assume out there for our audience that some of you do not have a budget. You say, I'd like to have a budget. I'd like to start establishing a budget. One of the first things that we recommend is for you to track your expenses for 30 to 60 days. Let's say 60 days if you can. And in those 60 days, you are actually tracking every penny that you spend. So you're literally lazy. keeping receipts and adding them up? You're keeping receipts and adding them up. And you're, you're putting on paper here, you're going to categorize them. <coughs> and they even say, you come up with your own categories, because your categories might be different than my categories. You know, for, we were kidding around before, you know, about uh, Starbucks coffee or, or any sort of flavored coffee. There are some people, they want to go have that coffee every day. Well, that's not something I would do, so it wouldn't be in my budget, but if it's something you want to do, you would put it in your budget. And you'd be honest with yourself. So you track every one of your expenses, and, and as Mr. Wakefield mentioned, you list your income, all sources of income, be honest with them, all of your expenses. But guess what? As part of those expenses, you've got to have that contingency reserve. It's got to be part of it. In fact, financial experts recommend at least $1,000. So it, it used to be that most things, they say, oh, it costs about $1,000. Well, maybe today it's actually more like $2,000. Who knows? Mm -hmm. All right, we were talking about cars. And let's say that you have a car, and it's a decent car. But every day that you drive it, the tires are wearing down just a little bit. So in your budget, if you want to do it without having to use credit cards, now, there are ways to use credit cards, and if we have time, we'll get to some of those. So we're not saying credit cards are the evil upon all evils. That's not our point here. But the point is, because of what's going on in society and the way they're being pushed on us, we're being careful. So, all right, so we have this contingency reserve in our, in our budget. So whether we're doing it by paycheck, whether you get paid monthly, whether you get paid weekly or bi-monthly, however you get paid, 
you're setting, well, I'm going to set $50 aside for that contingency reserve for my automobile, okay, until it builds up to $1,000. Then I suggest you keep on going with that. So it's part of what you are because you will end up spending it. You have maintenance that you do. Okay, so you, you pay, maybe pay your do your maintenance out of that. Mm -hmm. And then you have one for your house, if you have a house. Because mm -hmm. you have a house, you get up in the morning and your wife says, or you notice there's water all over the floor. And where's it coming from? Oh no, the hot water heater's broken. We gotta get the hot water heater fixed. Probably $1,000, maybe even more than $1,000. But every, you set aside that money, you start doing it now. But it also means that you have to live a little bit less than what you make. Your standard of living is a little bit less than what you actually make. That's the very important key with all this. Well, my question was going to be, what if <clears throat> while you're budgeting, you look at your budget and you look at your income and you realize that your income won't support your budget? What do you do? Well, there's... You, you want to mention any? There, I mean, there are several. There are several things you can do. Do you have any suggestions? I, I, I would like to just add one little thing to what you were saying. Is that uh, uh, often what I'll call a contingency is simply unexpected expenses. That should be an item in your budget. That's correct. For monthly unexpected expenses that you mm -hmm. had no idea was going to happen. Oh, but here it is. It always happens. There's always something. Occasionally, one month that <clears throat> you won't have it and you didn't spend the money, but usually you're going to. And then you have reserves for periodic expenses. They're real expenses. And a lot of times, people simply don't save money for their their annual insurance costs or their uh, their car tires wearing out or the battery going bad you you have to put money away for periodic expenses as well because those expenses are recurring but you need to do it once a month with each paycheck or even out of each paycheck it. not just once a month mm -hmm. so I, I just think that that's an important thing I, I break that down a little bit because they operate differently one is every month unexpected expenses that you're going to put on that credit card if you don't have the money. That's a very good point. And the, very other, good point. One, the other one is periodic expenses where you can list out a, a whole bunch of things and I need to put away this amount of money every month and that's going to be paid out during the year as we go around the year. Mm -hmm. And that can keep your credit card safe and keep you out of that credit card trap. Mm -hmm. Good, good By the way, you can find templates for these things online, everywhere that you can possibly imagine. Yeah. And I also, just coming to me, I also mentioned that you learn to do this, and please teach your children to do it from the very beginning. Or, or grandchildren. Or grandchildren, as they, as, they start, as they start having an income, whatever, you teach them how to do this. Because the things we're talking to you today, trust me, I can tell you from experience, I learned it all the hard way. Because I did not have parents who taught me how to do this. So I made many mistakes, many horrible mistakes. And, but once you learn how to do it, it's easy to do. Mm. And it's easy to recover, right? So you might be in a situation where you feel like you actually do this on paper and you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting it. I'm not making enough to cover, cover my expenses. Mm. Well, there are two things you can do. If you're young enough, go get a second job. There, you know, uh, if your credit if your credit card uh, bills are too high, that's part that's part of eating up a big chunk of your budget. You've got to figure out a way to pay them off, mm. or go to the credit card company and say, "I can't I can't do this. Help me out here. Come up with some sort of a plan with them." There's all kinds. Of, I don't want to get too far into that. Cause I don't want to tell you tell you what to do, 
in this, but you can call a, a credit card. I mean, you can call up companies that actually help you with this process mm -hmm. if that's where that's where you are. And the big one is, and it's we have some over here. If you're in that situation, stop using the credit card. Number one, you got to do that first, okay? Hmm. But I need the card because all of a sudden you're using it to buy regular. Now you get to the point where you're using it to buy groceries. Okay, if you're using a credit card to buy groceries, unless you're in a position where you're paying it off every month and you're buying groceries because you're getting miles and paying it off every month, paying, let me say it more time, and paying it off every month, mm -hmm. stop using it because you're not using it properly. You just have to put it away. You're, you're, you're at a point in your life where you've got to get control over this. The first thing you do is stop it. Mm -hmm. What about cutting expenses? Any tips on how to do that? Uh, start with the small stuff. And I, you're not going to like this, okay? But we were, t as we were saying, we were, <laughs> we were talking about uh, Starbucks. Got nothing against Starbucks. I love their coffee. But if you're a student or a person on a, you know, not making a whole lot right now, a young person or even older, and you're going in there and spending two or three bucks or whatever it costs for a latte anymore every day, or you're putting a buck and a half or two dollars into a, co a drink machine every day. Buying a lotto ticket, oh, that's fun, that's great. <laughs> How much do you spend on cigarettes? Pack a day? Mm -hmm. what, what do those things cost anymore? I have no idea. Uh, I mean, if you cut a lot of those small expenses, it takes some personal discipline. Add up how much you're spending on that. Add it up, you say, oh no, look how much I'm spending on this per month, times 12 per year. You'll be in shock. <laughs> You'll be in shock. You can say, that's how I get out of my credit card trap. By mm -hmm. Starbucks, this is your fault. No, it's not. It's Starbucks' fault. But if you simply get the self-control to, to, to rein in a lot of these small expenses, mm -hmm. that can make a huge difference in, in, in your life. That's the place many times people start. Sure. We were talking beforehand about uh, an individual that we've all known who was buying coffee every day at one of these coffee shops. And when you added it up, by the end of the month, this person's spending $120, $130 a month on coffee times 12. You're talking now $1,500 a year on coffee. That's an incredible amount of money. That we, it doesn't feel like that if we just do it a little bit at a time. And if you have, if you have revolving debt, that $120 needs to be taken off there and put on that revolving debt so you're not paying Pay interest. Off the credit card that's yeah. correct and another one too you you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned coffee how about if you work outside the home and you don't want to take the time to actually make your own lunch so you always buy lunch every day because it's just convenient well that's if, a big one that's a big one if you learn how to economize with meals and take your lunch with you instead of buying it out every day you can save a lot of money I don't know what everybody's situation is but that's another Talking about the little things. I, I know how many how many times do people go to the fast food places, and for lunch, and that's what you do for lunch. Everybody goes out and they go and get a McWhopper somewhere or something like that, and, uh, <laughs> and something, and it costs what now, five, six, seven dollars. When you figure if you're in credit card trouble or you're in tight finances, how much are you spending on fast food lunches every every year? Total it up, you'll be in shock at what you're spending. So uh, that's another good place where you can start to follow up to follow up on your question. Mm -hmm. Just want to add one more little thing in here. This is a helpful hint on how to become a millionaire, even if you don't have money. 
and here's the way to do it. Okay, I want to hear this. Ready I'm excited, all right, ready? I'm ready, here I'm ready. Come. Here we come, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Take all of this money that you're, we just talked about that you're spending, that amounts to a couple of thousand dollars a year, if you total it up for sure. many people. If you take that money, put it into an IRA account or your, some other account that compounds interest, and you save that money every year, by the time your geezer like me, you will be a millionaire because of compounding interest. This has been shown uh, to do it with normal yields on the stock market. Maybe they won't be as high in the future, but spread out over time, that's, that will make you uh, uh, an awful lot of money. Where were you when I graduated from college? That's and right. I won't say how many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, just saying, just saying yeah. that the self-control and the discipline to do these things, and then doing the analysis, as Mr. Ruddleston said in advance, can make a really big difference. Mm -hmm. If you do, get in there and do it. So we would urge you to think about some of the things, these things we're talking about. Let me ask a question that's related. It comes from more of a macro perspective, which is beyond the program today. Several people are asking about potential financial crash. But I think, let me go, come back, there it is. It says, one of the questions is basically what can we do to weather a financial crash personally? If there's a financial crash around us, what can we do? And I think we're talking about budgeting. Is there anything that we can do related to budgeting or planning that could help us weather a, a bigger societal yes. financial crash? A little bit. There, there are some things you can do to mitigate. Mr. Wakefield started it all off with the contingency reserve and that and also getting rid of the debt. Okay? So one of the items we didn't we've been talking about credit cards. I wanted to throw automobiles out here once again because for a lot of young people and young married couples, an auto payment sometimes is a bigger as a big chunk of, of <coughs> your monthly budget. Mm -hmm. And do you need that auto payment? Track it as soon as it gets close to where you could sell the car and break even, get out of that auto payment, better off you are. Buy a, buy a cheaper car, all right, to, to do that kind of thing. Cause, and then begin saving. In fact, they say if you're saving correctly, you should have about three months worth of income. So that's, I know that's a short term, mm -hmm. that's a short term thing, but by the way, it, but if you're, if you are working on that and you have, still have high debt, you need to get the debt going first. That's another one thing that financials, I'm giving you some tips that the financial advisors actually say. Mm -hmm. You get rid of the debt first, and then you work on that long term. You gotta have that short term one, okay? So we ask about a financial crash, because that's what happened, it was a financial crash, you may or may not lose your job. I, I feel like if you're doing some other things that we might hopefully get to here in a minute, about being blessed, that God will take care of you, but you know, it does happen to, happens to us all. You could lose your job, but you've gotta have that those kind of things. And getting rid of debt's a big one, and working on those long-term, those longer-term savings that you have for that. I'll just mention uh, two things. One of them is out of the scope of what we're talking about today. Uh, but mu in much of Europe, and maybe coming here, and just recently the president's been talking about his negative interest rates. We're not going to talk about negative interest rates today, folks. I'll say one thing, that they make debt crush you. Mm -hmm. Inflation, um, well, what do you say? It, it erodes your debt. It, it, it inflates your debt away, so to speak, because you're paying your debt off with cheaper dollars. Mm -hmm. But it's the other way around with 
deflation. And so we have to watch out with, uh, with that. You're, uh, you're paying off fixed amounts of debts with much more valuable dollars. So debt can crush you in a deflationary period. We might be getting into one here uh, with, and when we get into very low or, or negative uh, interest rates. The other thing is that um, people should consider carefully what they have in their investment accounts, their IRA or their uh, 401k accounts and things like that, where they've been, uh, you know, they, they, have, they can shift more into bonds mm -hmm. for that, that are fixed payments. And you can have counter-cyclical stocks, stocks that go up when the economy goes down. Those exist. So it's called hedging and balancing what you've invested in in the first place. Okay. Uh, that can make a big difference. Or just put your money into a um, FDIC uh, secured account. Okay. I just want to say one other quick thing too. Notice what we didn't say. We didn't say go off the grid. We didn't say to hoard food. Those are all maybe short-term things that could possibly happen. Um, but we're not saying those kind of things. We're talking about financial things you can do, mm -hmm. getting rid of debt, learning, learning is getting your expenses as, as low as possible. There will always be pain in bad times. Unless yes. you're a multi-billionaire, no, <clears throat> it reduces the pain and it, it helps you weather it and not have the stress that goes with financial problems. Uh, of course, you can have that in good times too with uh, credit card debt. I mean, we've all known people, perhaps, um, you know, the people who are listening have been through periods where they had debts and they didn't have the money to pay them. It is such anxiety, is such stress that you, that people experience with that. It's a terrible situation to be in. So you can greatly lower your pain and the difficulties that you're going through in very difficult financial times. Well, it just reminds me, even the scripture, God, God, in his amazing wisdom and his mercy, I think, in his love, has given us these incredible principles. And one of them is a warning about debt that I'm thinking of, and it's the borrower is servant to the lender. Yes, Proverbs 22, 7. And so if, if we are in debt, what is God telling us? We're going to be somebody's servant until we can get out from under that. So your, your wisdom here from a financial perspective is certainly backed by the scripture, isn't it? Well, if, if, if our viewers are paying 18 to 22 percent on several thousand dollars or more on their credit cards, they know what it means to be a servant mm. of a creditor. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to make those payments and it's, and it's difficult. Uh, reducing your debt, particularly in times like these in deflationary times, is a really good idea. Let's go on to one more point here. We've got just a little bit more time. What, what other advice, what other key can you think of? So we're talking about financial success. I think we really need to talk about the principle of give and the principle of tithing. And I want to I bring this up because if you do it, God actually promises a blessing to being faithful in it. Even if it's just, if you have little, you still put that before God. And he promises he will, he will bless you. Is he going to make us rich if we do that? Well, spiritually for sure. <laughs> Financially, who's to say, but he will, he will still provide for you. Malachi 3, 10, 11, promise it. Mm -hmm. They promise it beyond promise. I would also add just correct values, um, biblical values. Lead mm -hmm. people to make the right decisions. Uh. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier uh, before we went on the air about how many different um, 
biblical principles, financial principles, they are in the Bible. It's filled with them if you'll go in there and find it. So having the right values about um, um, family as opposed to uh, physical things, um, not allowing yourself to be led around by the, the sellers and um, how you spend your money and so forth. Having the correct values enables you to make the right decisions financially in many respects. And having the right uh, respect for what is holy, well, your tithe is holy. That's yeah. in your Bible. Let me read it right here, 20, Leviticus 27, 30 and 32. Things that are God calls holy are things that are set apart by God for divine purpose and a general picture. And it said, verse 30, and all of the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So, that's an important thing. You have something maybe sitting in your billfold that is holy. Are you going to use it the way it is supposed to be used or will you profane it with wrong use? That's the biblical view of using your, your tithe correctly. So um, God remembers that and he says he blesses you when you deal correctly with this holy thing. I'd like to also add on, on a somewhat granular level that we talk about it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. And I tell my students that when we're doing a budget, if you don't budget and learn to live a little bit below your means, how can you give to somebody else? I mean, there were times when I wasn't doing it, doing it right and I would see someone in need and I couldn't help them. And, you know, it, I'm glad it pricked my, my conscience and my heart because mm -hmm. as you learn to do it right, then you actually have a little, sometimes extra funds mm -hmm. that you see a need and you can actually help somebody else. And it's completely fulfilling to be able to do that. Or you hear about some of our international brethren who need help and you want to do something with them or, or whatever. If you're not doing it right, you have nothing to give. It seems like, too, if we're, if we're focusing more on giving, we, seem, we would be focusing less on ourselves and be less likely to fall into that trap of getting, getting, it getting, spending. It helps with contentment. It helps yeah. with contentment. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm looking at the time, and it, for me, it's flown by, but we do need to wind this down. And as we do that, I'd like to ask really a final question. I'd like you to think about a takeaway, and we'll start with you, Mr. Ruddleston, in just a second. What kind of a takeaway do you want to leave our audience with today based on our discussion? So I'd like to bring it back to the, the beginning just for a moment. Mm -hmm. to recognize the system, to recognize that knowledge is power, and if you learn to control money, it will not control you. Mm -hmm. If you learn about debt, you learn about the ways to avoid it. So consider that. Do, do more research on your own. Ask questions to people. <coughs> Find someone who's been successful. Ask them questions on how to do it if you've not done it. And to learn how to do these budgeting items and to teach them to your children. Mm -hmm. From the very beginning, so that you give them, you want to give them a gift? Teach them how to control money from the very beginning. And I assure you, they'll have a better life for it. Well, thank you. Actually, I want to dig into that for just a second. We'll let you f finish up. You can jump in, though, here. You, you, you mentioned we need to learn how to control money. We need to learn how to budget. These actions seem like they're work. And it requires a level of work and perhaps even sacrifice. It's not something that's just going to happen willy-nilly. Any comments about that, about con that control issue? It's, it's like anything else. You have to do it. 
So yeah, it's going to take, it takes time to do a budget. It takes time to evaluate your budget. When I'm talking about doing a budget, by the way, I, we didn't really get into it in the nitty gritty, but you also have to evaluate it because you have these things set up and then you have a column where you, what you actually did that month. And you're looking, oh, as Mr. Wakefield would have said, I forgot to budget for that monthly expense. I had, you know, my, the, the clothes I wear for work, I got a big giant hole in my knee and I had to go buy a new pair of pants. And these are expensive pants, or if you're a tradesman, you have to buy the expensive boots. Um, this would be well over $100. I didn't, oh, I, from going, now going forward, I'm going to set aside, you know, $10 each paycheck so I have that, so I'll know next time the boots come around, I have the money for it. Mm -hmm. It takes work. I just uh, mentioned to everyone that uh, Mr. Ruddleston here is the controller for the Living Church of God, and he's like the bu the master of budgeting. That's for uh, sure. He's got the spreadsheets all over the place. He's really good at it. If that were an Olympic event for budgeting, he would be a medalist. Uh. <laughs> so he, he knows what he's talking about. I appreciate him a, a great deal. Well, I, he keeps us disciplined, doesn't he? Yeah. We get memos. Make sure you <laughs> stay within your budget and don't spend too much. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'd like to just add one more thing. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're in debt trouble or you, your expenses are not what they should be relative to your, to your income. We were talking about ways to improve that situation. We didn't mention one of them, and that was education. Uh, you could do it for yourself or for your kids when they're, they're getting started. Um, uh, a, a high school uh, diploma versus someone who drops out, huge difference mm -hmm. over your life. A college degree over, I think it's like $17,000 a different, over, over the, per year average is the median for people who have one as opposed to they don't, is the differential. They make that much more and sometimes a good bit more. I'd want to say that can be misleading. Uh, it's not the piece of paper, they say the college degree, it is the education. If you have your uh, electrical engineering degree from Georgia Tech, you're going to be in the low six figures, 100,000 or more when you come out of school. If you got your degree in basket reading from Slacker College, uh, you know, maybe that's not going to be the case for you. So consider at least just taking courses and getting the additional education. That can make a big difference in your income when you shift those jobs, and it also adds to your financial security. So I would recommend you do that, and maybe even test your aptitudes to see what you're good at. That can be, I've recommended that before as well. So um, just all of these different ways, we don't have much time to talk about it, but I hope you'll, if you're having problems or knowing someone who does have problems, then see if they can put some of these things uh, to work. Boy, it can make your life a lot better. Mr. Wakefield, the education applies to the trades too. Absolutely. Oh, of, wow, boy, did the can that the certifications that you get, mm -hmm. and then the income goes up. And uh, I mean, the employers are chasing you around the parking lot. You know, if you have certain certifications, welding, a whole bunch of other things too. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't mean to mean everything is going to college, but mm -hmm. your community college, all of these other things where you um, have um, increased your skills in the trades or otherwise, uh, makes a huge difference in your income and your security in life. I saw a quote just yesterday, actually, that says, the more you learn, the more you earn. And obviously that doesn't apply in every situation, but it is a good, good mantra. Mm -hmm. Anything else, gentlemen? I think we're about running out of time. We, we, oh, could, go on for, okay. we could go on forever if you let us. Th thank you for <laughs> taking the time to come in today. Thank you for sharing the thoughts there's a lot of wisdom in what you had to share.
and hopefully our audience can take some of that, apply it to themselves, and share it with their, their kids, their grandkids as well. You know, in many ways, money does make the world go around. We need money to live in our modern society, yet money can also be the cause of many problems, or at least the mis misuse of money can be. Today we've discussed several different financial mistakes many people make, as well as ways to avoid these mistakes and move out of debt and toward more financial freedom. There are root causes of most of our financial woes, and if we can identify those causes and make changes in our lives and our habits, we can find financial freedom. For more insights into this topic, we encourage you to read our article, Financial Security and Blessings. Financial Security and Blessings, you see it there on the screen. And you can find this article for free download or to read at tomorrowsworld.org. Just search the article title. For more biblical insights into today's news and pressing issues, we encourage you to be sure to join us each week here on TW Now. Next week, we plan to examine the coming new 5G technology, something that will impact all of us in the years to come. Again, we invite you to be sure to subscribe, like, and share today's program. And we look forward to seeing you again next week here on TW Now.